am so glad to be here, so glad to have the opportunity to, uh, to preach this morning. And uh, my name is Nate, I'm the lead pastor here. And before we jump into our message this morning and uh, the conclusion of our series launch, I want to tell you about a couple of series that are coming up. On September 9th, so in two weeks, on the, the day we launch in Londonderry, we're going to be starting a series called Anthems. And this is one that we do every year. And uh, this year, we're doing it in September as opposed to middle of the summer because we want, it to be, we want Plymouth specifically to be able to use it as an opportunity uh, to, uh, to invite people from the university campus uh, to the church there. And then certainly for Londonderry, it would be strategic as well. Let me tell you about the series just for a second, because I know some of you have never been there and haven't um, been a part of it. Our band and our band on three locations, um, what we do is we take a song that is on the Billboard Hot 100. So it's a song that, uh, that a lot of people are listening to. And, and our band will play that before I preach. And then when I get up to preach, we'll be taking ideas of that song and comparing it to a song in the Bible, also known as a psalm. And um, we do that for a few weeks. And sometimes what everybody's singing and listening to in their radio is, is exactly something that was written in the Bible several, several thousand years ago. So we have the opportunity to teach that. Sometimes the songs that people are listening to are just without hope. And we get the opportunity to share about the hope that we find in Jesus. So a lot of, um, a lot of great music is going to be in this series and a lot of great moments for you to invite people to one of our services. So we'll be playing songs from Panic at the Disco, Ariana Grande, uh, Foster the People, and, uh, and Imagine Dragons again because they seem to always be on the Hot, on the hot 100 and Jeremy likes to sing like them. So... Um, <laughs> That's going to be happening at, uh, at it, from uh, the month of September, so September 9th through. So those are amazing weeks. If you have someone who says, I don't, want to, I don't ever want to go to church again, I hate church, that's kind of a good thing to say, well, listen, you probably have never been to a church like ours. And then if you have someone who's never been to church before, they're going to come in, they're going to hear music they're already listening to, um, and they're going to hear about Jesus talked about in a way that they've never heard before. So you want to get your invitations, you want to be, um, we'll have the song on YouTube every week, you want to be sharing those and, um, you know, sending private messages to some of your friends and say, hey, look at what's happening at my church and, and inviting them. And, uh, and so that's an amazing thing that's, ha that's happening. And then in October, I'm just really feeling this, um, October, that series is going to be um, the most important series in our church moving forward in the days ahead. And it's hard to, I, I, I never say that, so I don't want to kind of uh, overhype anything, but I'm just feeling that. Uh, in 2012, we preached a sermon series called Foundations, which turned out to be prophetic. Just the things that we talked about in 2012, God's been doing those things kind of one after another, and it's been amazing to see that happen over the last few years. But this series that we're going to be talking about in October, it's going to change your life, it's going to change our church, it's going to change the world, and, uh, and so I'm excited about that. So the next couple months, uh, you don't want to miss them. So begin to um, cancel out all your family birthday parties and, um, and um, 
you know, reschedule any funerals that were prepared for then if you schedule them that far in advance. And hey, just get ready because those are going to be amazing couple of weeks. But we're here today, we're here now, and so let's get into our message today. We're in week four of our series launch. And I just was thinking while I, before, um, before I came up here on the stage that um, kind of all the amazing things that have happened, it was uh, eight years ago when we launched back into Dover, and uh, that picture popped up on my on my uh, on my my Facebook this morning as I was up at five in the morning uh, because I couldn't sleep anymore, and thinking about everything that God has done, but also some of the amazing things that have happened in this series. We've had some people get engaged to be married. We're having people have new jobs. Some people have had babies. I don't know how they planned that uh, so well to coincide with this series, but. Just people, there's new beginnings for people. There's new things that people, even dreams that have been hidden in hearts from, from a long time ago that they're saying, hey, you know what, could it be that God is bringing this back to my mind because now's the time for it to happen and we believe that it is that time. Last Sunday I wasn't here and Pastor Dan preached uh, because I had the amazing, Michelle and I had the amazing opportunity to go to a Convoy of Hope event um, which was just absolutely amazing, and we were so grateful and, and so blessed to be able to be a part of it. Um, Convoy of Hope, if you, don't, if you haven't heard about them, if you pay attention, you will hear about them because they are all over the world. And, um, and there's, you know, of the, when there's a natural disaster, they are there, and so they're often interviewed. Um, they're often uh, thanked publicly and uh, because of the work they're, they're doing. So we were uh, able to go on this event. We had the chance to meet and speak with Hal Donaldson, who's the founder and CEO of Convoy of Hope. And uh, um, just so you guys know, um, on, on Thursday night, Hal Donaldson, the founder and CEO of Convoy of Hope, shook my hand and said, in all of the years that we've had karaoke on these events. Yours is the most memorable I've ever experienced. So anyway, you guys can just know we're making an impact. And um, so Hal Donaldson, part of his story is when he was a kid, he had three younger siblings and his, um, his parents were heading out to a church event when they were hit by a drunk driver. His father was killed and his mother was hospitalized, and um, and uh, and it, they didn't know at that point if she would if she would make it through her injuries. And when the police came to the house to tell the babysitter, um, the kind of the whole neighborhood was gathered around to see what was happening. And the police officer, sheriff, said, "Is there anybody, any friends or family who are here who would be able to take in these children?" And there was a. Uh, a family who was not well off, but they, they took the four kids into their house. They had four kids of their own. They just lived in the single wide trailer. But they could begin to care for them until the mother was well. When the mother was healthy enough to leave the hospital, um, she took her kids back, but she wasn't healthy enough to work. And for the remainder of his childhood, they were um, uh, very poor. And, and they, um, he said, the thing that impacted his life is the only reason they survived is because people from church and people from their neighborhood would be bringing over bags of groceries. 
He said it was like Christmas morning every single week. As they just couldn't wait to have food and couldn't wait to see what was in there. And as he became an adult and as he became, you know, and uh, began to have his own family, that impacted him. And he eventually got to the place where he said, you know what, I want to help families and help people like, my, like me and my siblings were helped and, and like my family was helped when I was a kid. So he just began with this dream and this belief that one bag of groceries can impact their life. And so he and his wife started Convoy of Hope in 1994. And what they did was they handed out bags of groceries out of their pickup truck. Now fast forward 25 years later. And what just became what was a, just a simple dream in someone's heart. A simple kind of nonprofit that this guy launched. They now have... 11 tractor-trailer trucks, additional kind of box trucks for smaller, uh, smaller events that they, they, they travel everywhere. So the wildfires in California, they had three trucks there. They're still there in Houston two years later um, helping out in that community. They're the, they're the first people to respond uh, in Puerto Rico. I mean, they're just all over the world. Um, through, so they're... Um, They've given out since 1994 over $800 million in goods to help people. Every day, they feed uh, 177,000 children around the world every single day. And they're praying for and believing for the opportunity and trying to grow their infrastructure to get to the place where they can feed 200,000 children every single day. Their organization has expanded. They're even, um, and I, I met him, a guy who has a PhD in soil, in, PhD in soil. They, they nicknamed him Dr. Dirt. I had the chance to meet him. Um, they're changing agriculture in all of these third world countries. They're going in, they're teaching people how to, fall, how to, how to farm and get the most out of their soil. They're giving people seed grants. So they're giving them the seed to start their farms doing all this work, and, and they, it is measurable differences that they've made in countries like Nicaragua. And they also have another part of their organization uh, that's centered on women's empowerment. And so they're not just trying to feed a child, but they're trying to change a culture. And so they're trying to take these single moms and teach them, and, and they're teaching them how to start their own business, how to do a market analysis in their community, how to... Uh, how to develop their business and start their business and, and manage their business, and they're giving them grants to be able to do this, and this is happening all over the world. And then, obviously, the disaster relief part that I mentioned, it. huge things, huge things that this organization is doing and um, all around the world, and it started with one guy saying, you know what, if I can just give out some bags of groceries out of my pickup truck. He was called by God to launch something, and it grew into something far beyond what he could have ever imagined. And I know there's things that God's calling you to launch. There's things he's put in your heart, and I just believe this, it is going to be much more than you think. It is going to grow to become something. It's going to have influence. It's going to help more people than you could ever believe at this moment. There's a reason 
why God doesn't give you the big picture at once. If in 1994, God would have told Hal Donaldson, hey, you're going to start this, this organization and you just, you're going to need to build an infrastructure to help people all over the world to feed 177,000 people uh, a, a day to raise the money to buy 11 tractor trailer trucks. So go ahead, go do it. Like there's no way anybody would ever venture out on that. But just God pressed in his heart, hey, can you hand out a bag of groceries? And what God's put in your heart, just start this little side business. Just start this uh, Bible study. You know, in 1946, uh, a group of people said, let's start a Bible study in Dover, and which was, became Restoration Church. What God has put in your heart to launch is much bigger than you can envision right now. But it's his desire to grow it. It's his desire to expand it. And it's his desire to use it. And we're talking ourselves out of all the reasons why it can't happen and it's not going to work and there's no way. And we just need to trust God in what he's calling you to do. And how is calling you to do it? Now, we're here, and some of you are at the beginning place where you're starting in to launch something. And so I'm going to speak a few years in advance to you and talk about what happens when it begins running and functioning. But as you'll begin to understand if you ever live through this, as you begin to understand, as you begin to look at our culture Launching is the easy part in the things that God's called you to do. Success is the difficult part. He's going to call you to do something, and it's going to be struggle, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to take faith, and it's going to take a lot of prayer. But then there's going to come a day where it is successful, where that business grows, where your, your influence it, it grows and you're given a platform. There's going to come a day where all of a sudden it seems like it's easy. And those are the most dangerous times and really the most difficult times for us to continue doing what God has called us to do, and we'll talk about that more. A couple of examples of that. In 1884, a 22-year-old man named George Williams, he was a farmer and he began working in the department store but he was troubled by what he saw in London. And so he, uh, he joined, he gathered eight of his friends and they launched an organization uh, that centered on Bible study and prayer uh, to create a place of refuge for these young men to escape the streets. And this was called the Young Men's Christian Association or the YMCA. We wouldn't uh, look at, you know, our Y membership and think like, man, this is an organization that's built on helping men study the Bible and follow God. What happened is, what began as a prayer, what began with a vision, once it got to the place where it was successful, all of a sudden now, it didn't seem to need Jesus anymore. Another uh, example that's pretty famous is Harvard University, founded in 1636. And part of their mission was that students would be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. And that was what they were founded to do. 
that through study and through knowledge that people would come to know God and come to know Jesus. In reading about Harvard and that story, what happened when they begin to mission drift, um, the Christians begin to, um, uh, they, well, they didn't like that, and so they started a new university that would then now be focused on study uh, and, and knowledge in Jesus, and that university was Yale. And so even Yale seems to have slipped from its mission. Because in the beginning, it comes out of our heart, but as it grows and as it becomes successful, then you're, you're tempted to shift focus. You're tempted to take credit for yourself. You're tempted to try to keep everybody happy, and you, you, end, you can end up being a successful sellout. What God called, called you to do and what God called you to launch you get to the place and you say, hey, thank you, Jesus. I'll take it from here. And maybe there's something that you've launched and, and you're realizing, oh, it is not about Jesus anymore. Maybe there's something in your life that is picking up momentum and you're beginning to think about yourself and, it's, and you're not thinking about the kingdom you're not thinking about Jesus and what he has. We want to look at our scripture this morning. We want to course correct if we're off. And we really, we want to learn this before we ever get to the place where we could walk away from him or take credit for ourselves or, or, um, or, or, be, or just be completely deceived. If you get your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts. We've been in Acts this entire series, and so we'll finish up here today in chapter 14. And um, this time period we call the early church. And so uh, after Jesus came um, and died on the cross and was resurrected from the grave and he returned to heaven, the the 11 disciples, and then as a as a uh, brought in another guy, the 12 disciples, they were now given the task from Jesus, hey, launch the church. It's going to be a group of people. They're going to be my church, but they're going to be in every nation of the world. You're going to go, introduce me, share the good news of me to people, and help them to follow me and to be learners of me. And the early church is experiencing some amazing and exciting things. If you read in Acts, you'll read, all, uh, you'll read it all over and over. There'll be uh, days where uh, 3,000 people just make the decision at that same moment, hey, we're going to be a part of this. 5,000 people, 6,000 people, just out of one clump. Hey, anybody want to follow? Yeah, and there's a huge crowd joins. You continue reading, and it says every day uh, they were added to their numbers. Every day people are making the decision to follow Jesus. And that's still happening around the world. Every single day, people are putting their trust in Jesus and they're following him. But also some of the amazing things that are happening during this time is just the unity amongst the church, uh, the generosity toward each other, giving, um, uh, you know, to, to help other churches that are in need, giving to help brothers and sisters, uh, selling stuff, just amazing generosity. And then there are also these high-profile um, decisions 
people who didn't previously follow Jesus are making the decision to follow him. Uh, a large number of rabbis, those were the Jewish teachers and leaders of the synagogue, they are making decisions to follow Jesus. And that's a significant thing. And then one of the guys that we're going to read about right now, his name was Paul. And he was well known amongst the Christians because Paul was trying to kill them and Paul was trying to imprison them. But even he, who was a great uh, opposer to the church, he, he met Jesus, gave his life to him and spent the rest of his life following him and serving him. It's amazing things happening. God called in the launch, but now they're experiencing some big wins. And they're, they're experiencing some success. So Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, he now, he's spent some time in training. He spent a lot of time in prayer. They've laid hands on him and Barnabas. They prayed for him, and he begins to travel and preach. And he, go, he leaves Jerusalem. He goes all over Europe, he goes to parts of Asia. I mean, he is traveling, uh, he is traveling anywhere he can, by any method he can, to share about Jesus and the reality of him. So on one of these trips is where we're going to read right now. It's in verse number 8. And I'll read a portion of it and we'll, we'll stop and catch up about what's happening. So verse number 8, it says, While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Amazing miracle. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god of Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates. And they were prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. Stop uh, right there. Some big wins going on here. Paul and Barnabas had just traveled, had just come from Iconium, where it says in, I think, verse number one of chapter 14, that a great number of people, a, a, a great number of both Jews and Greeks had become believers. And then they're in Lystra, and here's a guy that's been a lifelong cripple. He was born crippled. And so he never at any point in his life ever walked or had learned to walk, and here now Paul speaks to him because he sees that this man has faith, speaks to him, hey, why don't you stand up? And the guy does it. And he walks and he's healed. And people are, their, their minds are blown. What in the world just happened? We have just witnessed something supernatural. And because their faith construct was of, of Greek mythology, they said it, it, it's true, like these men, they must be gods. It's the Greek gods now here in human form. And they, uh, and so the crowd goes crazy. And Paul and Barnabas now are uh, probably a little bit shocked because they're used to being threatened and used to being beaten um, and being imprisoned. 
But here the crowd is giving them nicknames. They're bringing them gifts, wreaths of flowers, and then they're even going to make a sacrifice. Hey, we're going to bring our bulls. We're going to sacrifice them in your honor. And, um, and so they're, this is for Paul and Barnabas, kind of from the outset, it would seem to be a positive thing because they're going to be honored. They're going to be celebrated. And there's an opportunity for them to take this popularity and to tell even more people about Jesus. Or so it would seem, and that might be something that we would use to even convince ourselves. Hey, the, you know, the, for the teenagers going back to school this week, you, you know, all of the, the kids who are popular, are, they like me this year and they didn't like me last year. It's amazing what a year of adolescence can do to make you hideously disfigured and then also the outset to make you, <laughs> to make you beautiful again. Um, you're all beautiful. Um, but so all of a sudden, they're talking to you, and they like you, and they're inviting you to parties, and you begin to think, like, this is a great thing. I can go to these parties now. I can be with, with these popular people. I can date this person who's not a Christian, and I'm going to have a great opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And there's these kind of all these things that kind of look good that would seem positive to us, but, um, but can be a big danger for us. Look at verse number 14. So here's going to be a party in their honor. It says, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just, just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely refrain the people from uh, sacrificing to them. Seems like a startling reaction or maybe an overreaction. You know, they're going to throw this party. They're going to honor these two men. And, uh, and Paul and Barnabas are ripping their clothes and, and doing everything they, they can to dissuade the crowd from doing this. And you think, uh, kind of at alarming, like, why would they rip their shirt? This isn't Hulkamania. But this was something in their, in, their, uh, in their culture that was very common to express grief or loss or sadness. You read about this different times in the Bible that uh, when someone would die, they would tear their clothes. When someone would get bad news, they would tear their clothes. And even different times, there was one time in, in, um, in the Bible where they were, through the prophet, given a bad report to the king, and they didn't care. And it says in the Bible, at a time when they should have tore their clothing, they didn't. It didn't even shock them. So this was something they would do, and so... Uh, this is something that they would recognize, like, hey, these guys are serious here. They're not, this is not like uh, when you go to a restaurant and someone offers to pay and you're like, uh, you know, um, uh, hey, I can pay. Like, no, I'll pay for you. Okay, thanks. It's not like one of those moments where they were, had never really any intention to ever pay. Um, they were serious. Hey, you can't do this. Don't do this in our honor. We are merely humans talking about the good news of the one who sent us. And what happens here, what well, Paul and Barnabas, how they react to success, 
teaches us some important things. And I, and I want you to write this down. And I, you may not feel like, like, like that at all. You may not feel like that dream in your heart will ever become this. But listen, it's, a challenge, it's going to be a challenge to every single one of us as we're following Jesus. There will be a day when it's comfortable. There will be a day when it's easy. There will be days when, um, when it, honestly, where it seems like you don't need Jesus. What are you going to do in those moments? Well, Paul and Barnabas, they show us through this account that it's not you, it's Jesus. How, how much were Paul and Barnabas uh, responsible for the great things that had happened? When we think, man, Paul, what a man of faith. He healed this guy. Well, what Paul would say was, no, the crippled man had the faith and Jesus healed the guy. I just prayed. Man, Paul and Barnabas, what great preachers they must have been that both Jews and Greeks uh, were coming and putting their faith. And we can read the words of Paul in other parts of Scripture where he said, hey, I haven't come with eloquent, eloquent speech. I, I've just come sharing about what Jesus has done. So it's not the message I'm bringing. It's the message that Jesus has given me. It's his good news that I'm sharing. It's not my preaching that's making a difference. He says it right here, we are merely humans. You're going to start a business. We're going to launch more locations. You're going to start a, a circle, and, and it, your circle is going to be like 500 people. There's going to be so many people coming to your circle, and you're going to, and, 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 like, what's the secret? How did you do it? We just, not from a place of false humility, but just in reality knowing it is not me, it's Jesus. And there's practical things that we do. And so you may be really good at making cinnamon rolls. And so that's part of your success to your circle. Um, you know, but you may be really business-minded and you have a great education, which is helping you grow your business and expand your business. But the blessings come only from God. Every success you have in your career Every success you have in your family, every success we have as a church, it is only because of his grace that we've received it. He has, um, uh, he, he, in his grace, allowed us to experience this. In his grace, he's blessed us with this. We didn't do it. We don't deserve it. It was him. And this is where, this is the reality that we have to constantly remind ourselves. You know, Michelle and I, we love each other. We have a good marriage. But I, I am smart enough to recognize, like, I'm not, I'm not a good enough husband to have this good of a marriage. And I think Michelle's smart enough to recognize she's not uh, that, she's not uh, like the world's greatest wife. It sounds like I'm disparaging her, but I'm not. But to say, like, no, it is. The grace of God that we experience, the marriage we do, and uh, when it's difficult, we're obviously, we pray, but when it's going well, we're remembering that it's God's blessing that's allowed us, um, and it's our, our ability to let the Holy Spirit work in us that has allowed that, and it's only by the grace of God that we experience what we've experienced. The church has grown. It's only by the grace of God that we've experienced what we've experienced. 
and we have to believe and we know it's not me, it's him. And we, what you begin to realize is he can do more than you ever could. Jesus can do more than I ever could. There's a couple of businesses in our culture in the United States that model this for us. And are a great example to us about this. And uh, so there are two companies owned by Christians. So one's Hobby Lobby and one's Chick-fil-A. And you may not know this, but they're both closed on Sundays. So they have, they have a belief. The Bible says honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And so this is one way that they do that. They shut down, both places shut down their companies on Sundays, which, uh, which can be annoying to you if you want to go shop or eat. But they're just believing that uh, they're gonna, it's not them, it's not their business, it's Jesus who's in charge of their business, and they're going to honor him. So the amount of money that they give up every Sunday is just mind-blowing. You, you mean, you got, we couldn't even believe it. Just by being closed on Sunday, the amount of money that they give up, not being open that one Sunday. And so, you know, they, they experience all kinds of pressure from other business owners, from even other Christian business owners who don't hold to that same conviction. Like, you, you guys are crazy. Just open up. Like, you're, you're letting so much money go to your competitors. But they believe that God will do more with the six days a week than they could ever do with their, um, with seven. So they are honoring him with that. Next thing we see about Paul and Barnabas in their life is, um, is that it's not for them, it's for him. So we realize how are all these things happening? It's not because of me, it's because of Jesus. But then we begin to realize why are all these things happening? It's not for my benefit, it's not for your benefit, but it's for his benefit. All of these things that are happening, the things he wants to do and the ways that he blesses you, it is for Jesus. He is allowing great things to happen to you in your life because he's trying to show other people about the great ways he can work in your life. He's expanding your business. You have the opportunity to give generously. You can have the opportunity to, uh, to give to Convoy of Hope. You can have opportunity to give to your church. You can have the opportunity to give out bags of groceries to your neighbor. He is, it is for him that all these things happen. And Paul says to the people trying to worship him, listen, listen, don't do this. We've come to bring you the good news. We don't want these flowers. We don't want this party. We want you to hear about Jesus. It's not about us right now. It's not about the benefits we could receive. We want you to worship Jesus. And it's the same thing here at Restoration Church. It's not about my name. It's not about the church's name. But everything we do here at Restoration Church, it exists for the name above every other name, the name of Jesus. When his name lifted up higher than anybody else's name, we want him to be experienced more than anything else here. And... And it's going to be about him. Everything we do, it's going to be about him. Not about our own comfort. Not about what type of church we like. Not about, you know, did they sing the song I like. You know, uh, it's, it's about him. 
Have we honored him? Have we glorified him? Have we uh, praised his name? Have we uh, opened our hearts to him and allowed him to work in our life? It's about him. And even in the blessings we receive, whether your company just explodes and is going to be worth millions and millions of dollars, or whether you get a pay raise or an increase, even the blessings we receive is not for our own benefit. We're blessed for Jesus' benefit. He doesn't need anything from us, but, but he has something for us, and he can take a dream, and he can take a generous heart, and he can change lives all over the world. Last week, Pastor Dan uh, talked about Colonel Sanders, the, 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 the man most famous for Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I thought I'd, give you, I'd add a little bit more to his story because it fit in with our message today. Uh, Colonel Sanders sold Kentucky Fried Chicken in, at the age of 65 for $2 million, and then he was continued to make a paycheck from the company as he was the model for their franchise. Colonel Sanders, at the age of 77, gave his life to Jesus uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, at an Assembly of God Church, which is the th- part of the fellowship of churches that we're a part of, Evangel Tabernacle in Louisville, Kentucky. When he gave his life to Christ, even at his significant income, he began to tithe to his local church. And I read this this week. I couldn't I couldn't verify it as 100% true. It was in a blog, and there was no links to, um, to any factual evidence. But, but this, uh, this blog said that at his death, Colonel Sanders gave $2 million to the Assembly of God Missions um, at his death. Gave a $2 million donation to help, the good, to help support missionaries all over the world. Here's a guy we think like, oh man, here, he persevered through his life, but... Man, even at 65, selling his business, getting millions of dollars for that business, still searching, there's got to be something out there greater than this. And he experienced it late in life, but never too late. And he was kind of, people would always ask him, why are you giving away so much money? Why are you giving so much money to the church? Why are you giving money to missions? And his response was this, there is no reason to be the richest man in the cemetery. And he knew what he'd experienced. And he knew what God did. And it was his heart not to live his life for his own benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom. So what is it that has called you to launch? You've been praying about it this week. Maybe you've even like contacted a lawyer and you begin to do paperwork. What is it that he's called you to launch? As you pray, as you build a team, as you persevere through the difficult times through it, it will succeed. It will. And it may, even this idea that God's put in your heart, it may fail, and it may fail deliberately on purpose because that is the will of, of God for it because he's teaching you a lesson. So that way, um, the next time he calls you to launch something, you'll still be obedient, and he'll make that one succeed. But the truth, I mean, I just believe this with my whole heart. 
God wants you to be blessed because he wants you to, uh, to use your influence, to use your business, to use your income, all for the glory of God. Convoy of hope, you know, their vision hasn't stopped yet. Obviously, I said they want to feed 200,000 children a day. They're right now praying for the opportunity to have regional warehouses in every part of the United States and that they have distribution centers, not just out of Springfield, Missouri, but out of uh, different parts of the United States, and then trying to set up these, these places in, on, every, on just about every continent. Trying to do more, trying to help more people. They know it's far beyond their capacity right now. As a Restoration Church, we will launch into more towns and cities. We will do it. Jesus will do it in his timing. It could happen extremely fast, like the last year where we had a church merger and now we're launching another location. Or it can happen extremely slow, like the six years before that when we were praying about it every single week and it just hadn't happened yet. So what's been eight years um, seems like extremely fast, except it's been eight years. It's been eight years to this moment, eight years until we launch Londonderry. And, um, and there will be a time where he'll give us the opportunity to do it again. Why? Because he wants us to be famous? No, because he wants his name to be famous. He wants his good news to go to every community, to every town, to reach every teenager, to reach every adult, to reach every 77-year-old. He wants people to know how great he is. And again, not for our benefit. Not that our programs would be better, our band would be better, or we'd have a greater staff. I mean, we hope for all those things, but why do we want those things? Again, for his name to be known. That his name would be lifted high. That people everywhere, even people here today, would put their trust in him and give their life to him. And may we, as followers of him, May we as a restoration church, may we as Christians give him all the credit, or as the Bible says, give him all the glory and honor and praise. When we, when we, wherever we are, experience success and accolades, may we just have a humble, honest position. We know before God, you know what, God, I'm just... I'm merely a human. Thank you for using me this way. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for letting me be a part of what you're doing in and around the world. You close your eyes and let me pray for you. Jesus, we, man, we just thank you for the life of Paul and the life of Barnabas. Two guys who did amazing things who you used in amazing ways, but kept their hearts right before you. I just pray we will do that same thing as well. For every person in here who's following you, I pray that success wouldn't get to their head, that a large income wouldn't get in their way of following you. God, that opportunity and accolades and, and public praise wouldn't deter them from the mission you've called them on. You've called every single one of us who are following you to reach just one more. 
to share the good news of Jesus with another person and to never be satisfied or to think our job is complete. And everything that you're calling us to launch, whether it's a business or a family or a, or a circle or um, just everything you're calling us to launch, God, it's for your name and for your glory and for your purposes. It's a, all a sub-go of the main go. The main go is make disciples. And we're going to do that, God, in any way you call us to do it. I just pray, Jesus, for anyone in here and they've never made the decision to follow you. And maybe before they came in today, they thought, you know what, there's no use, there's no hope, you know, it's too late for me. God, as we've heard about you today, as we've heard testimonies from other people today, I know it's never too late. And you never give up on us. I just pray for every single person in here to right now just offer you a simple prayer to just tell you um, as they whisper it with their mouth or as they think it in their heart, Jesus, I believe you. I need you. I give you my life today. I ask you to forgive me and to change me and to be my God. I choose today to follow you. And as they pray that, as they pray that, Jesus, we thank you that you do what you say you're going to do. You forgive and you transform and you love and you save. As we go into this next part of the service where we're talking to you and praying and uh, as the band's leading us in, in singing, we just ask for you to move in our heart. Speak to us and encourage us. And God, if we've been off track, if we've been taking credit for something you've done, we even ask for you to humble us and convict us. We want to stay close to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.